Well, welcome to a special series that we're having on Carmelcast, coming from Avila, Spain, the the birthplace, the the beginning of the reform of Saint Teresa of Jesus, Saint Teresa of Avila, and really everything that we know as the charism of Carmel, especially from the Teresian branch, has blossomed, you know, from this place. So what a privilege and an honor to be here. And we're joined in a special way with uh, by Father Daniel of the Good Shepherd, Father Daniel Chowning, who is a member of the Washington Province, and he's here with us to to speak a little bit about spiritual friendship in in the life and in the teaching of St. Teresa and how we can live that out in our day. And so thank you, Father Daniel, for joining us. You're welcome. You're welcome. So it's a great blessing to have you. And, and maybe if you could just share yeah, a little bit about um, your understanding of, of friendship in Teresa and maybe her experience of friendship. Yeah. Um, well, Teresa offers us a very detailed and long experience of friendship. Because friendship was very much at the heart of her life and her teaching, her understanding of prayer. And friendship comes from, really from deep from her own human experience. Um, Teresa was a woman with a tremendous gift for friendship. Uh, I would say that friendship, relationship, was at the very heart of her, of her teaching because of her great gift for, to enter into relationship. It was her gift, but also where she struggled most, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. You know, often in our life where we're strongest is where we struggle most. And we see that with St. Teresa. And so, really, in, we see it, first of all, in her childhood. Mm-hmm. Teresa was born in, you know, March the 28th, 1515. And she had three sisters and, and nine brothers. And she tells us that uh, she was loved very much in the family. And we look at her, chapter one of the book of her life. We see that she had this very special relationship with her brother, Rodrigo. This is kind of an indication of, of her friendship early, you know, which would develop later on. That she and her brother used to read the lives of the saints, and they would dream about being a martyr, and they went to land of the Moors, and, uh, and, and then they were, her, their uncle apprehended them on the way there. But it shows that she, early on, she developed this great friendship in the family with her brother. And then later on, even in that chapter, chapter one of her life, uh, she tells us that she and her friends used to play nuns together and hermits together. So early on, she had this ability to attract people around her, her brother and friends. But then when she was an adolescent, um, she went into a crisis. Uh, um, When she was about 13, 14 years old, her mother died. And she was very close to her mother. They used to read chivalry novels together, and uh, which was uh, uh, which was a pastime, and um, when her mother died, um, she cousins began coming to the house, uh, and um, her father was worried about it because there were relationships that her father was afraid that she would be uh, distracted from, and and may, there, one of that relationship might have been a cousin in view of a marriage, you know. But anyway, she went into this crisis when she was adolescent, and. Um, so her father was so concerned about it that he put her into a convent school, the school by the Augustinian nuns, Our Lady of Grace, here in Avila. Right here. Yeah, right here in Avila. And there she, she said she was loved very much as well. This is an interesting, uh, if you read her writings early on, the word love, to be loved, loved very much, is very much part of, it, of her vocabulary mm-hmm. when you read the, 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 the first uh, chapters of her life. And so she went to this convent school, and there she met a, a sister, Maria de Braseno, who was another friend, early, early on, a friend. And so, um, and then, then she started to, to, kind of a conversion process began in her, I would say. 
So anyway, she went to the convent school, and then when she uh, she was there for about a year and a half, and because of poor health, she had to leave, and her father brought her back to his to, to the home, and um, she started this Christ that well she started thinking about being a nun, yes, and um, and that kind of led her into a crisis too, a crisis of health, mm. because she didn't know if she should be a nun or not, mm-hmm. and and the, some people say that the reason her health broke when she went into the the convent school at first was because of the the relationship with these cousins that came to the house was not really resolved mm-hmm. for her you know and what, what's also if, if i would backtrack there with her cousins she said she had a cousin that that was very very frivolous relationship mm-hmm. that early on she had this desire for for god for the truth but then after her mother died and she had this relationship with her cousins you know it um she said that she moved away from the truth, you know. So early on, we see that she had good friendships, and friendships also that were not that were kind of superficial, sure. you know. And this is kind of a theme that will run through her life until she's around thirty-nine years old, yes. you know, when she goes into convent. So, so you know, so from, from the very beginning, friendship was is, is the very heart and of her experience. Mm-hmm. And even one could say for her vocation. Um, could you speak a little bit about what led her to choose when she did eventually uh, find her vocation in the convent? Um, what was the, the motivation for her to choose where she chose to live? Well, it's interesting. First of all, if we go back to the, her experience of the Augustinian nuns, the of Grace, where, the, where she was there for a year and a half, it was her relationship with this Maria de Bresenio and the conversation with her with this, this sister. The sister was a, who was in charge of the boarding the schools and the boarding house, the, the, who were board the, board the, in, in the convent, that she used to talk about her own vocation story. Mm. And that inspired Teresa very much. So then, then she said, well, I want to be a, a nun. But then she would, didn't want to be a nun in that convent. Mm-hmm. But she wanted to go to, a, to be a nun in the incarnation where she had a friend. So it was her friend, her relationship with her friend there, that led her to choose the incarnation. Yes. So again, we see that her motivation was a friendship. Yes. See, yes. You know, friendship kind of followed her through. And you could see maybe that the seeds of friendship with God were there yes. in that moment. Yes. But even though maybe they hadn't fully blossomed yet, the, yeah, that she yeah. hadn't discovered that as her main motivation. And yet, it was still the seeds of friendship through her friends in the world and in the convent that kind of helped move her forward. Even though, as you said, also they. They, they became a danger for her in certain moments yeah, as well. Yeah. But it was always what was kind of guiding her in her yeah, life. Yeah. yeah. And that shows us, you know, that shows early on, you know, that she, like all humans, you know, she was a young woman. She was pretty. She was a young woman. She was attractive. She said everybody liked her. Even when she went to the convent school of Our Lady of Grace, she said, everyone loved me. You know, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, a, that's a, a theme that comes up. They all, I love them and they all love me. Yes. And very much, mucho mucho demasiado in spanish you know too much or you know they love me very much and so she said i was i was loved wherever i went yes you know and so that tells us a lot about her personality yes exactly her personality was a very relational personality where she entered easily into friendship yes and she was drawn into people into friendships uh who liked her she liked them yes and um so that was very much a theme so when she entered the the convent too. It was kind of the motivating factor. Yes. Relationship and yes. and uh, uh, so she's in that way. She's very human. Yes. And I think it shows too that you know I think a lot of us would have would love to have that as a, as our background that everyone just loves us you know yeah, and, and yeah. We're, everywhere we go we're 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 loved and and we we share love. Um, but you can see even with a you know in a sense a, an ideal sort of experience of love early on 
that didn't save her from the difficulties either. No, that no, didn't mean no. that she had a life that was smooth without difficulties in, yeah. in the relational area. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, and even as a nun, right, that, yeah. that, that was part of her, her struggle yeah. Um, yeah. as a young religious too, was how yeah. to... I, really, friendship or relationship is what, what, as I said, was her blessing and her curse mm-hmm. in a way. In, in, in that by mean it was her where she was most blessed but also where she struggled most in her life mm-hmm. it's the same with all of us yeah. where we are most gifted oftentimes is where we struggle most mm-hmm. and that is the same way with St. Teresa yeah. and um, and so uh, God used the, the, gave her this great gift of relationship mm-hmm. which then will, would, would develop into her own understanding of prayer mm-hmm. and her way of life that she wanted for her, her sisters and her friars yes. you know later on yes so friendship was you know, is central to her. Her, and we'll get into that later on with her prayer. Yes, yeah. yes. But we see it early in life. She has a long and detailed experience of friendship with other people and with Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you follow it all the way throughout her life, yeah. from the beginning of the chapters of the book of her life, you know, all the way through. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But anyway, um, she entered the convent. You know, uh, finally she had this struggle for quite a while, uh, whether she would be a nun or not, and she finally. Uh, in, took uh, the courage, mm-hmm. you know, and she entered the convent of the Incarnation in 1535 mm-hmm. at eight, uh, 20 years of age, you know. And um, her first years in the in the monastery, the, the first year and a half, I would say, where it was, was, she said it was hard for her, but, but she enjoyed the, the life. As soon as she entered, you know, she left home without tell, asking, telling her father, mm-hmm. you know, she left home, you know, with she and her brother went, her brother accompanied her to the, to the incarnation. And she said, as soon as she took the habit, she had great peace. But then she became ill uh, after about a year and a half. After her profession, she became ill. In about a year and a half, to, you know, she became ill. And her father had to take away for a cure. And this shows us something about her relationship as well. She, he took her to a, uh, uh, to a healer that was in a, tall, a village called Bethedas. And there she enters the friendship with a, with a cleric. Mm-hmm. She was going to confession to him, and she said that he loved her very much. Mm-hmm. She liked him, and he loved her very much. But it wasn't good, yeah. you know. And again, it shows you how attractive she was mm-hmm. to people, you know. Yeah. And she entered into this friendship with it, with this with this cleric who was also in a in an immoral relationship with a woman in the village. Mm-hmm. And this woman in the village had a kind of a a, a, a spell over him. Mm-hmm. She had given him some type of of, of uh, some type of uh, amulet, a- amulet, amulet, I yeah. guess, an amulet, you know. And so, but Teresa never judged him. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. She never judged him. She just kept in friendship with him. Mm-hmm. But she knew it wasn't good. His, yeah. his love, with, his, his his attraction to her was not spiritual. Yes. You know, wasn't so spiritual. She said it was too much. It was too much. It was too much. <laughs> Demasiado. 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 It was too much, you know. <laughs> but it shows you in a way, again, you know, her, a gift that she had for friendship but she never judged him. Mm-hmm. She just kept being friends with him. Yeah. And finally she got the amulet and she threw it in the river. Yes, yeah. yes. But it does tell us, tells us something about her personality. Mm-hmm. See, see. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she went through this cure. It was very hard for her. But on the way to this village, she discovered the book, The Third Spiritual Alphabet. Mm-hmm. And it taught her the way of prayer. Although she entered into the incarnation, she was never given... A method of prayer. She wasn't really taught prayer. The nuns spent many hours in the choir chant- chanting the divine office with all these rubrics. So her uncle, her, her um, Pedro de Cepeda, um, gave her this book, the, the Third Spiritual Alphabet, 
And so she began reading this book, you know, because she was, the, the cures didn't begin into the spring. And so she had all these months uh, alone in her, in her uncle's house. And she read this book. And this book uh, taught her the way of, of, of prayer recollection. Mm-hmm. And so she went through the cures. I mean, this is part of the, how this is very important, I think, because of her understanding of friendship and prayer. She uh, took this book as her master. And then she went through the cures that were very difficult for her. Mm-hmm. And it, almost, it really made her very ill. Yeah. And she thought she went into some type of like a coma state. Coma, coma state. I mm-hmm. don't know what it was. But they thought she had died. Mm-hmm. So they took her back to the incarnation. You know, uh, they and they had prepared a grave for her. You know, and um, so she went through a real conversion period during her as she uh, healed from this from this like three and a half years. I think she was three years. She was in the infirmary, and she went through this really conversion process, and and that's what then deepened her understanding of prayer as as as, as friendship with Christ yes. within her. Yes. You know. That that was very very important for her. Yes. And then she started talking about prayer to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it shows you that her gift for for friendship drew people to her. Mm-hmm. You know, and then she began to talk to them about prayer, which is a very important part of, piece of, the, of 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 her life, because they tell us that that by the time she left the incarnation, this is jumping ahead a bit, there were like forty nuns who followed her teaching of prayer. Wow. You know, at that yeah. time. Yeah, there, by the time she left the incarnation, when she found the Saint Joseph in fifteen sixty two, there was about one hundred eighty nuns. Mm-hmm. Even though the convent was was was, was made for about forty, yeah. you know, but she had this great spiritual influence mm-hmm. over people, yes. you know, drawing them into friend through friendship yeah. in, into into the life of prayer. Yes, and again, that tells us something very much about her about her uh, her personality. Yes, and that is because that God used her attractiveness and her. Mm-hmm sympathia her, her kindness yes, yes as a real means for other people to kind of draw near to the spiritual life yeah yeah so anyway she she healed and through the intercession of saint joseph and she started practicing prayer a great conversion took place in her life she said she she didn't want to gossip anymore she yeah. wanted to give more time to prayer <laughs> she said she didn't engage in fault finding she mm-hmm. said she said she had the reputation that if people came to her, they they couldn't talk about the faults of others. Yeah. You know, and she would confess. She would confess often. She received communion often. So she went through a real conversion process. Yeah. yeah. And just to become an outstanding nun. Yeah. And, that's and all, right. You know, by by the judgment of of the people in the convent of the world outside, that she was a, an exemplary, an yeah. exemplary nun who was yeah. living a spiritual yeah. path. Yeah. And yet, still, everything was not perfect. Maybe. Yeah. And yeah. and and there was a lot more drama to come for her yeah and before she could so. really reach her, her her goal or at least really enter into her path that god had, had prepared for her yes yes exactly so what happened to her was that she um had it went through this conversion but then she she fell again into mm-hmm. her weakness Teresa had a great desire to love and be loved and great capacity for that but it had a dark underside um I would today and today. I don't like to psychologize too much the saints because it's unfair, but I think in a way you could say that Teresa was codependent. Mm-hmm. She tells us later on in the book of her life, chapter thirty-seven, that her problem was that when she knew someone liked her, all and she liked them, all she could do was think about them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all the time, yeah. you know, and it led her to live outside herself in other people at the expense of her own inner truth. Mm-hmm. And so this was her problem, you know, when she entered a relationship with someone, 
she they she knew they liked them liked her and she liked them all she could do was think about them yes and this of course the situation the incarnation exacerbated this 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 affective problem she had mm. a, an affective disorder mm. you know we all have a disorder yeah you know <laughs> and we all have a problem with relationships yes. one way or the other yes. some more than others but the situation of the convent really exacerbated her 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 own affective disorder mm-hmm. mainly because the social situation there were all these nuns in the in the monastery that had to be fed mm-hmm. and how you, they need benefactors yes so because Teresa was so gifted and her superiors saw her gifted in relationship they used her they asked her to entertain benefactors yes those who would have maybe bigger donations yes, for right. the convent you know you know donations for the convent and so she ended up you know, having to visit in the parlor mm-hmm. all the time with these benefactors, uh, and she spent all this time in the parlor, mm-hmm. and um, and it led her astray. Yes, she was praying still, although at one point she gave up prayer for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. She said out of false humility, because she realized her life and her prayer were not together. Yes, yes, so this is very much a part of her teaching that our life and our prayer have to be together. And for her, it was a struggle. Yes. It was a struggle because of the social situation, mm-hmm. her own problem. Yes. And then the, the situation that her superiors were asking her to entertain benefactors. Yes. So she spent hours in, 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 in the parlor. Yes. You know. And what so often happens is that, you know, a, a, a good situation, I mean, it was, a, it was a good thing for her to talk to others, help others, you know, and, and help support her monastery. But, but she could kind of use it, too, because she wanted that effective... Con, uh, affirmation as well from yes, them so yes. so it, even though she had to do it and it was right that she did it but she came at it maybe with a kind of woundedness that mm-hmm. that was not good for her it wasn't good, good for her. her you know she says that she said that at one point she said you know what was good for others was okay but mm-hmm. wasn't good for me yeah mm-hmm. well just to back up just a little bit as mm-hmm. i said uh, part of the problem that saint Teresa had was uh, not only her own affective disorder but also the social reality of the of the nuns in the incarnation that all these nuns to feed by the time she left in the incarnation of 1562 they're about 180 so they needed to, to feed the, all these sisters and there was a, a lot of social uh, that there was a class system there were the poor nuns and the, and the donias the wealthier nuns who come from wealthier families like uh, saint Teresa. so she entered into these relationships partially to help the community and um one day she was in the parlor and she had warnings that the way she, her relationships had to be purified. And there, there was a, she was divided. And one day she was with a particular relationship. It's anonymous. She doesn't say who it was in the parlor. And she had this kind of, kind of a vision, mm-hmm. you know, of Christ looking at her very severely mm-hmm. uh, about, there's something about that friendship that was not good. It was not a good friendship. And it was a warning for her. And then later on, she had another warning. She saw some toad, you know, crawling across the floor. She said yeah. that an animal like that, some creature like that had never, reptile had never been in that convent like yeah. that before. Yeah. And it was like a warning to her, you know. She interpreted it as a warning. She did not like toads or lizards no, or any no, of those kind no, of things. No, no, no. It was a really warning, you know, with Christ looking <laughs> her and then the toad, you know. And so she realized that something had to change. And I, she went to confession. She was still praying, although, as I said, at one point she left prayer for about a year and a half. Because she said, my life is not what it should be. I'm not worthy to pray. And that was a great danger. Later mm-hmm. on, she tells us that was a, a wrong was wrong for her to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that no matter where we are, no matter how much we're failing in prayer, we should never give up prayer. Yeah. 
But anyway, she realized she was divided. Confessors didn't help her. Mm -hmm. She didn't have good confessors. She tried to seek advice. She didn't get good advice. They didn't think anything was wrong with the way she was living. So this went on, and she... So it reached. She said she was in a valley, a, a shadow of death, mm. um, a, a tempestuous sea for about twenty years. Wow. You know, a, a shadow of death going back and forth between God and the world. You know, which divided her, and it, it did. And so finally, she reached such a low point. And during Lent of fifteen fifty four, she went into an oratory to pray, and there was an image of the of the wounded Christ. It was a Christ at the pillar which is a very important image uh, of Christ's passion that was very important for her throughout her own life. And she knelt down and she broke in tears. And she said, ask Christ, she said, the Lord, she said, I don't want to get up until I am, you, you heal me, I'm converted. I need the grace to break from this friendship. I can't do it myself. Only your grace can do this. And so, something happened in that moment uh, she a change took place the grace of God broke into her life at that moment she believes it was a real conversion and she got up and there was a change it wasn't complete but it was a, a some very special grace took place in that moment and that tells us something too about her understanding a conversion that conversion is a grace that there are things in our life that we cannot change ourselves. You know, we all have a woundedness that only God can heal. And and it began God didn't begin to heal this effective struggle that she had in her life. So she began to change, but she wasn't completely healed. Yes. You know. So Saint Teresa had this friend, Doña Guillomar, mm-hmm. whose confessors were the Jesuits. And the Jesuits had just recently made a foundation in Avila. So Teresa went down to stay with her because she wanted direction. She had heard that the Jesuits were good directors. Teresa had several directors, Dominicans, Franciscans, Jesuits. Yeah. You know. And um, so under the, with, under the direction of this father, especially Father Juan de Pradenos, um, she had a conversion. He was very gentle with her. She said she had to be handled. She knew she had to break these relationships, but she didn't know how. She couldn't do it herself. So Father Sint, uh, um, uh, Juan de Pradnos uh, told her, he said, well, just pray the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, he, he realized that she had to break, but she couldn't do it herself. Mm-hmm. And as a good Jesuit, and as a good spiritual director, he said, let's just pray the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. for nine days. Mm-hmm. So she prayed the Vena Creator for nine days. And one day she was praying the Vena Creator, and she had a rapture. Mm-hmm. That, and the, and the, she heard these words, I no longer want you to converse with men, but with angels. And at that moment, that rapture, which took her out of herself, transformed her. She had a transforming experience. you know. And she said, from that time on, she could not uh, have any friendship that was really not rooted in God. Yes. Yes. It freed her. And it wasn't that friendships were, I mean, real, true friendships began with her at that moment, you know. She was taken out of herself. She said, I felt from that moment on, I was given a freedom that for years I could not obtain myself 
with all my efforts to the point that it made me sick. Mm-hmm. In other words, some of her illnesses, you know, we won't, that's another theme that we can't get into, probably were because of this inner struggles yeah. that she had over friendships. Mm-hmm. But she said, from that time on, I couldn't tie myself to any friendship that I knew was not rooted in God. Yes. That's what the words meant. I no longer want you to have conversation with angels, but with men. I mean, not with men, but with angels, yes. in other words. In other words, from now on, Teresa, the Lord told her, all your friendships are to pass through me. Yes. I'm to be the root of your friendships, you know, from now on. And that's what happened. Yeah. And a great change happened in her life. Mm-hmm. She really entered the mystical period mm-hmm. of her life, I think, at that moment. Yes. Even though she had a conversion in 1554, which also was a conversion, which introduced her into more of a mystical prayer. But 1556 conversion was like her definitive conversion yes. in terms of her affective disorder. Mm-hmm. As I said in chapter 37 of her life, she tells us what, what her problem was. That when I saw that someone liked me and I liked them, I thought so much of them that I, I, all I could do was think about them. Yeah. And she's obsessed with the thought of them. Yeah, all her energy was outside yeah, of her. Outside of person. Self. Yeah, and she was living outside of herself at the expense of her own inner truth. Yes. You know? And so this conversion in 1556 then, then uh, brought her in, in, interiorly within herself. Yes. And of course, this will be even deepened when she has her experiences of the risen Lord. When she began to see the beauty of the risen Lord. Very interesting. This conversion of 1556 and, her, and what, she, the, what happened to her when, when she had the visions of the risen Lord are kind of really close, closely connected. Yes, yes, yes. And maybe one could say that, you know, Christ being her, her now her best friend, you know, and that, and that her spouse, you know, her, her, her union with Christ then from that flowed her, her other friendships. And it's not that her friendships decreased after that. No, no. If anything, they multiplied, right? And, and, and her friendships still took on a principal part of her life. Oh, yeah. And yet, yet it had changed. The character of them had changed. I mean, friendship was the key to her whole life, mm-hmm. you know. But it was her, her friendships were purified, mm-hmm. you know. They were now rooted in Christ. And real friendships began at that time. Yeah. You know, the real true friendships began at that time. Yes. You know, at the incarnation, she had all these nuns that she was helping direct in prayer. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were drawn to her. She had friendships outside with Dona Dona Guillomar that she stayed with. And also Dona Luisa de la Cerda in Toledo, Mm -hmm. who was attracted to her. The the, the reason that that Superior sent her to, this is kind of another chapter of her life, to Dona Luisa de la Cerda in in, in Toledo was because this woman was in a depression. And she had money. She was a benefactor. (laughs) So the Superior sent Teresa to console her yeah. you know and that started the friendship yes. so, so it's interesting all these friendships deve- you know all developed yes. you know even after her conversion after yes. her conversion experience they developed and became even deeper yep. even deeper and that's why when she began her foundations at um, uh, at, at St. Joseph 1562 she's when she wrote the way of perfection she said my desire is that that since Christ has so few friends I want these few friends these nuns to be Good friends of Christ and good friends of one another. Mm-hmm. So friendship was the foundation then of, of her communities. Yes. But if we take this back now to her prayer, Teresa took all her experience of friendship, good friendships and bad friendships, super, superficial friendships and friendships rooted in Christ in her understanding of prayer. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's all about friendship, mm-hmm. she said. 
you know, friendship with Christ. This is what prayer is, yes. basically. Taking yes. time frequently to be alone with the one whom we know loves us. Yes. See? yes. So it's all based upon her understanding of friendship. Yes. And she takes all her human experience of, of, of friendship and she applies it to the life of prayer. Yes. And it's amazing if you think about it because um, the, the theological basis for this is very solid. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the love of God primarily as friendship, that that's the, the best way we can define the love of God for us and us for God, you know, sharing in that love. And so Teresa, maybe, I don't know, maybe she did or didn't know that about what Aquinas had written. Yeah. But in her time, the relationship with God could be seen as a very, you know, vertical, like I, I, I'd say some, I say prayers to please God or to, to, to worship him or I don't know, to make sure that I'm blessed in my life. But it didn't, it didn't always have a sense of an, an intimacy, a, a friendship with God. And yet Teresa kind of recaptured that that truth, which is foundational to the Christian faith, but can sometimes be lost in, in you know, in the, in the contemporary culture, climate of spirituality. And and she really recuperated, it seems that and then made that the basis of of her spirituality and her, her the reform of, of the order and founding San Jose and and all the other foundations. She understood Christ as her friend. God is our friend. God loves us, has loved us into existence, and God is, is wants our desires, our friendship. And Teresa understood that, you know, that God is a good friend. You know, she's got some wonderful passages of that. And so she took that understanding that, that prayer is allowing ourselves to be loved. It's friendship allowing ourselves to be loved more and more and more. And so she understood prayer as, as taking time to let ourselves be loved yes. over and over and over again. Yes. And that's what transforms us. Mm-hmm. And so she took that understanding of prayer, you know, contemplative prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and applied it to her communities. As mm-hmm. I said, in the way of perfection, in chapter one of the way of perfection, she describes the foundation. She said, I call these few women together. Again, there were just, a, you know, just a few that she, that she found at St. Joseph's and then they, then they, the foundations grew, you know, you know, and I want them to be good friends of Christ and good friends of one another, mm-hmm. you know, living a life of unceasing prayer, you know, and I'll t- talk about what that really means, you know, unceasing prayer for the good of the church. Mm-hmm. You know. So her communities were fraternal communities mm-hmm. dedicated to prayer and to loving one another. Yes. You know, yes. For the good of the church, mm-hmm. you know, not for their own salvation, yeah. but for the good of the church. Yes. Because the church in the 16th century at that time, the church was in a division with the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to help the church. And she would do it by through friendship. Right? Mm-hmm. Friendship would be the reason they would help the church. Yes. By living this within their communities. Yes. You know, through unceasing prayer. And, and I, I'm unceasing prayer, not in the sense of as like the, the Jesus prayer, saying the Jesus prayer all day long. Yes. You know, but unceasing prayer as a, as a, a way, prayer is a way of life. Yes. Dedicated to... She said two hours of contemplative prayer, you know, formally, you know, and the divine office, the Eucharist, listening to the word of God. But, but and then li- learning, living, le- learning, living together to love each other. Yes. Through, through, the, through the great virtues of love of neighbor, detachment and humility. Mm-hmm. So it was a whole way of life. Yes. But it was all about friendship. Yes. Yes. You know, friendship was everything for St. Yes. Teresa. It was prayer. It was community life. And it was for the church. Yes. And it says so much that that God didn't take away this gift that she had from when she was a little girl, yeah. but just made it greater made and it just greater. made it flourish and fruitful yeah. for herself and for the church. And it's interesting when she talks about fraternal, you know, for her, the, the three great virtues were very important, that prayer has to be accompanied by a life of virtue. 
Prayer is not separate from the way you live your life. And she understood that because her experience for 27 years in the incarnation was that that the life and prayer were not together. Yeah. She lived it. I mean, she had she struggled for about 20 years. Yeah. But her life, her, her life and her prayer were not together. Mm -hmm. See, and so when she starts St. Joseph's, begins St. Joseph's, this is a very important part of her teaching on prayer. Mm -hmm. Life and prayer have to be, to be, to be one. Yeah. So she stresses the virtues of love of neighbor, detachment, and humility. But when she talks about love of neighbor, her ideal for her sisters was this spiritual love. Mm -hmm. And that's not easily reached. She, she says, to reach this spiritual love, which is a love that's really rooted in Christ. Yeah. Dis disinterested. Disinterested love. Yeah. Really, I love you and serve you because you're my sister. It's yeah. a gospel love, yeah. really. It's God's agape love. Mm -hmm. She said, it, 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 she said um, uh, there'll be many tears and mortifications before you reach this. Mm -hmm. So she's very realistic. <laughs> you know, she has the ideal of this spiritual love for her sisters, but she knows that that's not an easy thing to reach, yeah. only by the grace of God yes. and through prayer. But it is a real disinterested love. Yes. You know, yes. This was her desire. Yeah. I mean, it was a gospel love, really. Yes. She presents a gospel love to her communities. Mm -hmm. um, and so now maybe we could see how can we apply this maybe to ourselves? You know, that, that we're not all Carmelite nuns, you know, <laughs> we're not, obviously, um, we're in a very different world maybe than Avila of the 16th century. And yet her message is, is, is one that never gets old. And how can maybe we apply this teaching to our own lives? Okay, very good. I think the first thing we had to think about her teaching is that Teresa had the experience of God dwelling within her. That we're, she said we're not hollow inside. That by our baptism, by our very creation, God dwells within us, holds us in existence. And by our baptism, we are baptized into the life of Christ. But she her foundational mystical experience was God dwelling within her. And therefore, every human being has a beauty and a dignity what, more than what we can ever imagine. You know, that we are loved by God, we are made in the image and likeness of God. So when we look at that and think about that in terms of friendship, we see that we're never alone, mm -hmm. see? Because friendship is the desire for union, for communion. Yes. We're created for that. We're created for friendship. We're created for God, friendship with God, and friendship with one another. And that's what life's all about. It's about love and friendship. And Teresa experienced this within herself, that first of all, God was within her. The whole foundation of friendship is God is within me and God is within my brother and sister. Okay. So that's very important. And we're never alone. No matter what our situation in life is, we're never alone. Yes. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that is through prayer. Teresa understood prayer as friendship, friendship with Christ, taking time frequently to be alone with the one who we know loves us. Yes. See, see. We're loved by God. We're never alone. To, and so to take time to be alone with Christ, and the more we do that, the more we're transformed. Now, Teresa understood prayer as transformation. You know, as I said earlier, it was through prayer that she was converted. You know, That she understood, she said, basically you could say that I was a bad woman for many years. I struggled for many years. Something changed me and prayer changed me. Mm -hmm. Prayer as friendship changed yes, me. Yes. So the more we pray, the more we take Christ as our friend, and that's one way we could understand prayer, St. Teresa, in one line. Prayer is taking Christ as our friend who lives within us mm -hmm. and we're never alone. Yes. And spending time often with him. And the more that we do that, the more we're transformed. Yes. The more our love is transformed, the more we will experience this reality of God within us. Mm -hmm. See, And this will purify our friendships. Yes. A third thing, very important for St. Teresa, she realized 
that if we're going to pray, we need good friends. Mm -hmm. Other people who are praying. And in chapter 7 of the book of her life, she says that, she said, when people begin to pray, they, because life is difficult, they need to have good friends. Mm -hmm. People who are, who are friends of Christ and who are praying to help us along the way. Mm -hmm. you know? So having good friends is very, very important for her yes. all along. She had good friends. Yes. You know? And so she said, when we pray, we need good friends. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I think a lot of people in our day are struggling with loneliness. And, and maybe they don't feel like they have a lot of good friends. And yet, through Christ, they can find people who pray for them, maybe in their parish or, or people even online that they might know or, or people that they know are praying for them. And, and maybe it's not the, the kind of friendship that Teresa experienced, but they can still have friendship of people who support them in their spiritual life. And, and, and that will help them in their relationship with Christ. And I think, so I think we, we also need to show how, how loneliness is a reality that we all struggle with in some ways. Um, and maybe feeling at times like you don't have people who support you. Even Teresa felt that at times. She felt she, yeah. abandoned, yeah. even though yeah. she had all these friends, but yet she didn't always experience maybe their love in the way that she would have wanted. Um, and so I wonder if you could just say something too about, about how, yeah, the struggle with loneliness can be helped by our relationship with Christ. Yeah in prayer I think look well we all struggle with loneliness you know at, at times of our lives you know some more than others but loneliness is a call can be a call to enter more deeply into relationship with Christ to God loneliness can be like a wrap on your heart St. John of the Cross says that mm -hmm. in one of his letters to one of the nuns that loneliness is like a wrap on your heart to open your heart more to Christ See? and I think loneliness can, if we can see loneliness that way Yes, it's painful, but loneliness can be a way of entering into deeper intimacy with God yes. who dwells within us. Yes. You know? yes. And it can also be a way to grow in compassion, mm -hmm. to reach out to other people who are lonely. Yes. Not to be caught into our own loneliness yes. and focus on our own loneliness. Mm -hmm. But when we feel lonely, to pray, but also to reach out to someone else. Yes. Visit someone who's sick. You know, write a letter, or send an email, yeah. send a card to somebody, visit someone in the hospital. Yes. But we have to go out of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that would be very much what, what Teresa would say yes. in terms of advice for loneliness. That it's a call to go inward, to, to deeper prayer. It opens us, loneliness could open us up to, 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 to prayer, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, and then also to reach out to other people. Yes. When Teresa talks about prayer, she'll talk about levels of prayer. She has the interior castle with her seven dwelling places. And one way to look at that teaching is that there are several, seven levels of friendship. And we all know that in human friendship. You know, you first meet somebody, you might go out to pizza with them, you know, talk about very superficial things. But as the friendship develops, as intimacy develops, you become more personal and more deep in the relationship. And it's the same thing with God. There are levels of intimacy with God. Teresa understood prayer as, as, as a friendship that deepens, an intimacy that deepens. And when she has something very interesting to say at the very end of the seven dwelling places, or at, when, at the seven dwelling places, when she talks about prayer, she said the whole purpose of prayer is to transform us to live a life in imitation of Jesus crucified. And what she means by that is that Jesus crucified, not a dolorism or suffering for suffering's sake, but crucified in the sense of compassionate love. And she said, the one who's truly, she said, do you know what it means to be truly spiritual? She says, it means to be branded with the cross, to become a slave of everyone as he was. That prayer 
leads us to serve other people, to be their friends and to serve them. And then to serve them, she said, we, we start where we live. When she wrote to her nuns, she said, she knew the nuns were going to say, well, how can we serve? We can't preach, we can't teach, we can't be nurses and that. She said, you don't have to do that. She said, you, you serve the people that you live with. There is where you show your friendship. You know, by loving them, by serving them with humility and charity, disinterested love, by growing in the spiritual friendship, a friendship that's really rooted in Christ, by loving and serving them in the little ways of everyday life. If you do that, that will radiate out to the world and you will help transform the world. So there again, if we, when you think, talk about loneliness, we talk about the struggles we have in friendship, if we can just say, if I can just live where I live with my family, my friends, loving them and serving them, being a person of prayer, that by doing that, that will have an effect on the world outside. That will help transform the world. That prayer transforms the world. Friendship transforms the world. Because it's all about love. At the, at the bottom line, it's all about love. It's all about friendship. There's a beautiful text that I want to read, if I can find it here, from the book of Teresa's Life. Oh my Lord, how you are the true friend, and how powerful. When you desire, you can love, and you never stop loving them who love you. All things praise you, Lord of the world. Oh, who will cry out for you to tell everyone how faithful you are to your friends? All things fail. You, Lord of all, never fail. Little it is that which you allow the one who loves you to suffer. O oh my Lord, how delicately and smoothly and delightfully you trust that you treat them. Would that no one ever pause to love anyone but you. It seems, Lord, you try with rigor the person who loves you, so that in extreme trial she might understand the greatest extreme of your love. O oh my God, who has the understanding, the learning, and the new words with which to extol your works as my soul understands them. All fails me, my Lord, but if you do not abandon me, I will not fail you. Let all learned men rise up against me. Let all created things persecute me. Let the devils torment me. Torment me. Do not you fail me, Lord, for I already have experience of the gain that comes from the way you rescue the one who trusts in you alone. To me, that's one way to express the good news of St. Teresa of Jesus. Mm -hmm. you know, Christ is the true friend who will never fail us. Yes. And if we're faithful to him, he will never fail us. We may have our tri trials, you know, our, our struggles, our loneliness, our sufferings, but if we are faithful to him, he will always be there with us. Yes. That he is the true friend who will never fail us. And that prayer is taking him as our friend, and that leads us to be friends with one another. Amen. Well, thank Amen. you, Father Daniel. I think it's a beautiful way to close, and, and it gives us all hope.